Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week, I interview a lovely young woman named Savannah. She was born with Vectoral, and like myself, many of you probably don't know what that is. So let's do a quick little description here of what it is before we jump into the interview. So what is Vectoral? It was also formerly known as Vader syndrome, but has been expanded to include more abnormalities. Each letter represents a different part of the body. People who have Vectoral may not have the same medical issues. For instance, someone who has a cardiac defect may not have the same cardiac defect as someone else. Each case is quite unique. So each letter, again, represents a different part of the body. V is for vertebral abnormalities, including but not limited to congenital scoliosis, caudal regression, hemivertebrae, spine bifida, missing bones and sacrum. A is for anorectal malformations, including but not limited to anal artresia, imperforate anus or cloaca. C is for cardiac defects, which can include a lot of things, but a common issue is a hole in the heart. T and E is for tracheal esophageal abnormalities, such as tracheoesophageal fistula and esophageal atresia. R is for renal abnormalities and radial abnormalities. L is for limbs, so that can include um, but not limited to polydactyly. I apologize, I'm not sure how to pronounce those words, but limb abnormalities. Uh, Vectoral is not an inherited birth defect. It is not specific to any region or ethnicity, and it is only slightly more common in males than in females. According to the National Association of Rare Diseases, approximately one per 10,000 to 40,000 live births will have Vectoral. To be considered as a Vectoral patient, you must have at least three of the previously stated abnormalities. So with that long description, I do apologize for butchering any of the words here. Let's jump into this interview. Savannah, you grew up, well, you were born with, is it pronounced Vateral or how do you pronounce that? It's pronounced Vactoral. Vactoral. Okay. I'm missing the C. That's why. Okay. (laughs) And which aspects of it did you deal with specifically? Because there's so many. (laughs) Yes. So it's an acronym. There are seven different areas that it can affect. I have six of the seven. So you have to have five of the seven in order to be considered a Vactoral syndrome child. And I have six of those seven. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And which ones? Yeah. Which ones did you have? And what, what were they exactly? Yeah. So it's V-A-C-T. 
T-E-R-L, and I have all of them except for the L. So the V is vertebral, so I have issues with my spine. The A is anal or abdominal. The C is cardiac, and I have issues with my heart. Uh, Then the T is tracheal, E is esophageal, R is renal, and then L is limbs. So I have all my limbs, um, but as far as the other areas, I have something, something was either not fully developed or maybe developed incorrectly um, or is completely missing altogether in each one of the other categories. Wow. Do you remember any of them like specifically growing up, like really affecting your daily life and... Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, back problems. So some of the vertebrae discs in my spine are missing and therefore my vertebrae are semi fused together. And because there's no disc, there's no cushion in between those bones. They're actually sitting on top of each other. So it's bone on bone and they're causing stress fractures in my spine. So I've been going to physical therapy or doing physical therapy since I was about 14 or 15 years old and dealing with chronic back pain uh, since about that point. And then before that, I only have one kidney. So I've always had to be very uh, careful about my kidney health as far as a low sodium diet. I take kidney medicine. I've been on that since before I can remember. Um, And then I have issues with my bladder that I've slowly through childhood all the way up into adulthood have to kind of deal with in different ways. It's kind of changed as I've grown and developed a little bit more, which is very interesting. And then my cardiac issues, they're more recent. So I didn't actually know that I had the cardiac problems until I was 23. Yeah, I'm 25. So 23, two years ago. And I just had open heart surgery last year on that. So that's a little bit more recent. But each area has affected my life in different ways as I've been growing up and at different points too. So a lot of kids with factoral that I've talked to, it's kind of the running joke is, well, right now my kidney's doing this, or right now I'm having this issue with my heart, but the rest is okay for now, you know? So it's kind of like little maintenance uh, on all those areas uh, throughout your life pretty much. Yeah. Wow. That's so much. Well, is it easiest to work like chronologically for you then of like everything that you've handled and dealt with in order? I think it might be easiest to like do each letter maybe. Sure, let's do that. All kind of mixed up chronologically. (laughs) Sure, let's go by letter then. That's great. So I guess we'll start with V. Yeah, tell us about everything else with your spine. That sounds like it's pain. It could, is that painful? Yes, it can be. So, yeah. So, I do. I have stress fractures in my spine. Uh, I've had a lot of surgeries. So far, I've not had any spinal surgeries, though. So, the physical therapy is prolonging that as long as possible, which is awesome. And it's working for right now, but I still deal with chronic back pain. So, I take medication if it gets really bad, but For the most part, I try to uh, deal with it with ice, heat, and just resting as well, and then trying not to overdo it. But 
I'm a very active person in my job and just in life. So I do overdo it sometimes, but yeah, so I have those stress fractures and then I also have scoliosis. So those are the big issues with my spine. Gotcha. Wow. You do physical therapy for that. Do you do any like personal training to like strengthen certain parts of your back? Yes. Yeah. So my physical therapist, uh, he also specialized in spinal physical therapy and he has his back problems of his own. So he has some like physical training techniques as well. So I go to the gym almost every day and almost every single day I do something back muscle related because <laughs> or abdominal related. So your ab muscles too, because they kind of act like cushions for your spine as well. So my core needs to be really strong to help protect those uh, vertebrae that are yeah. each other. Wow. Gotcha. And so there's besides like major surgery, there's not really anything else that they can really do outside of just the medication and the physical therapy. Yeah. It just, it's just kind of trying to prolong the spinal surgery as long as possible. It's probably not a forever fix because I mean, those stress fractures throughout anyone's life, you know, your spine degenerates over time. That's, you know, normal human thing, but Mine, unfortunately, is just going to be a little bit different in the way that it's degenerating because there's no discs. So I will eventually most likely need to have surgery to fix those uh, vertebrae in place. So they stop rubbing. They basically bolted together. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Did you have anything for letter A? Yes. Yes. When I was born, I was immediately rushed off to the uh, OR, but (laughs) one of the big surgeries. So I had a colostomy bag because I was born without an anal opening. I was born with a cloaca. It's not very graceful or pretty, but... (laughs) my reality. And you know, that's, that's normal for me. So they had to actually, a cloacal opening is where it's just one, right. For everything. Yeah. They had to go and do a pretty extensive reconstruction surgery to split that opening into the three that I would need (laughs) for life. So I did have a, a colostomy bag for a while. And then I had a colostomy reversal after my big pull through surgery, which is basically kind of what it sounds like. They take uh, your large intestines and your colon and they literally pull it through and create an anal opening so that you can use the restroom like a normal kid. Awesome. Yeah. So you can't, you, you're totally functional in that department. I'm good now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. It's incredible that technology has gotten that far. Yes, it is. It's amazing. If I had been born, I don't know, 10 years earlier, who knows? Yeah. So, That's so cool. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you had that big surgery? I was one. So I went through oh some gosh. surgeries to kind of get me by for the first year. And I had that colostomy bag as well. But then I went to New York, actually, to a guy who was specialized in that surgery specifically. So my parents tried to get the best person possible. And I went to New York and had that surgery done when I was one years old. So amazing. Wow. Lucky your parents like did the research to find him too. Yes. 
Yeah, we had an awesome pediatrician in, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio at Rainbow Babies and Children. So we had an awesome pediatrician there who did research as well uh, into who would be the best person to help out. Awesome. Did, do you know if your parents knew if you were going to have medical issues when you were born? Yeah. So at that time, <laughs> they can't di- there. They couldn't diagnose Vactoral on a sonogram. Um, so they could tell something was different about baby girl hodl, uh, but they couldn't tell exactly to what extent it was or what it was until I was born. And when I was born, they realized what what was going on and they started fixing the best way that they could. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's also lucky. I mean, that they knew something wasn't quite normal and um, they were like ready to look into it. They were ready to make a plan and fix it. (laughs) Okay. So are we on to T? Uh, C, I think. C. Yes. <laughs> Cardiac, which is actually my most recent uh, situation uh, or um, challenge. So about two or three years ago, goodness, COVID, I think it's been three years at this point, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so it's been, it's been a few years. I was starting to have some uh, fainting episodes Ooh. just randomly would get super dizzy and pass out with no real rhyme or reason. I always had low blood pressure. So I kind of always attributed it like my dizzy spells to that, but I started actually fully fainting, uh, which was new. So I went to a cardiologist and they did a bunch of tests and found that there was a hole in my heart, which it's interesting because when I was born, my birth anomaly was actually called Botter syndrome. So without the C or the L, they added those. About two years after I was born is when they added those because they found out that kids that were born with Botter were also born with limb abnormalities a lot of the time and cardiac issues a lot of the time. So it changed. So when I was born, we didn't know I had a hole in my heart. It was very small. It didn't affect me. And there were bigger issues to deal with at that point. Uh, But a few years ago, when it did start to affect me, I did go to the cardiologist and he found the hole and it seemed as though it'd be a simple fix. They can actually do a a patch through your groin nowadays. Again, modern medicine, crazy, I know. Um, So I went down for surgery uh, to fix that patch or patch that hole. And I woke up and they said that they weren't able to do it because there was another problem. So during that procedure, they actually found out that one of my pulmonary veins was not connected where it was supposed to be. Again, it never had bothered me before, but it was not in the right spot. So that was a bigger issue and a bigger surgery. So instead of patching that hole, they figured out a way to basically (laughs) reroute my pulmonary vein and use the hole to their advantage in that surgery and put a little artificial piece in. So I always, my uh, cardiologist and cardiothoracic surgeon kind of described it to me as, you know, they're unplugging the vein and they're going to go and put an extension cord and plug it into where it was supposed to go. Uh, so that's what they did in surgery, which is, you know, the words that I, I use 
to really make sense of it in my brain because medical talk sometimes can go. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I have a little extension cord in my heart now. My pulmonary vein is where it's supposed to be and that hole is closed. So we're all good now. But again, I did have to have open heart surgery and I'll be on heart medication for the rest of my life. Uh, but other than that, I had my one year appointment a few weeks ago and I was you know, good. All the pressures in my heart were good. My atrium wasn't dilated anymore because, you know, there wasn't unnecessary pressure going to a different spot like it was before. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And no more fainting. Nope. No more fainting <laughs> so far. Fingers, cr- fingers crossed. But. Yeah, fingers crossed. I still have um, low blood pressure, uh, but that's okay. You know, I, I can, I can live with that. Uh, but <laughs> damage that the hole and the pulmonary vein being where it wasn't supposed to be was causing my heart, especially long-term in my 30s, 40s, and 50s won't happen now because it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Now we're on to T. <laughs> Yes. So uh, tracheal and esophageal, they kind of go together. Uh, So I kind of talk about them as one unit. Uh, So I had a tracheoesophageal fistula when I was born. So I had to have that fixed. So basically what that means, your trachea, your windpipe, and then your esophagus, your food pipe, uh, they don't connect. So when I was born, I started turning blue because I couldn't breathe. My trachea was not connected to anything. It was just leading to a blind pouch. I had no way to get oxygen into my body. So they took me off to surgery and they actually uh, stretched my trachea, my esophagus, connected them to where they were supposed to be. And uh, they stretched them. So then they had to go in throughout my life. Actually, I had a series of dilations, esophageal dilations um, and tracheal uh, dilations to stretch them uh, widthwise, you know, because they stretch them lengthwise so that they could fit where they were supposed to go. And so they got skinny and then they stretched them widthwise so that I could actually breathe normally and uh, swallow food and it wouldn't get stuck. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Is there any kind of um, upkeep on that at all? Yeah. So I actually had an esophageal dilation. I went through when I was born to age like five or six, they were pretty regular. And then from then until age, I think 20, I had none. And then sophomore year of college, I actually had to have another esophageal dilation because scar tissue started to build up and it just started to get really tight in there. And I was having issues swallowing and and keeping food down. So that, you know, I might have to have dilations throughout my life, but if they're every 10 years, that's easy peasy, you know, (laughs) I take a long nap, I wake up and it's over. (laughs) Can you feel like the scar tissue at all? I could. So when I was swallowing before my esophageal dilation, it felt kind of tight in there, almost like I ate something that I might've had a little irritation to, and my throat started swelling, but you know, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but not, not a ton. It was just 
because I did notice it was harder to swallow and I was actually having some issues uh, keeping food down because my body was, my esophagus was, you know, skinnier. So my body was tricking, or I guess my mind was tricking my body into thinking that I was choking. So my, my reflex was to get rid of what was, you know, blocking my esophagus. So I was actually having issues keeping food down then. Wow. Wow. You don't take any medication at all for, for no. that? That's great. That's great. <laughs> nothing, nothing except for the 10 year mark. That's not too bad at all. Yeah, no, that one, I'm very blessed. That one is doing well. Yeah. Are there any foods that like irritate you at all? Or you're just, you're able to eat kind of whatever? Not, not so much anymore. When I was younger, I couldn't eat like a lot of bread or doughy things. Cause it would get, you know, like kind of like sticky and cloggy. And if I didn't chew it well enough, and as a child, you know, you're wolfing your food down. So you go play <laughs> Uh, and I did that often and I would choke pretty often at the dinner table uh, because I really loved pasta, but pasta didn't love me. So <laughs> that those kind of foods when I was younger were problematic, but not as far as, you know, since I've gotten a little bit older and are more mindful about, you know, slowing down smaller bites, chewing my food, <laughs> you know, adult things. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. So that was T and E. Did you have, you didn't have anything with L. So we just have R, right? Yes. Just R. Yeah. I mean, only, you only had a few things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So R is my, is renal. So your kidneys and your bladder, right? Uh, So I only have one kidney. I was only born with one kidney. Uh, the other one was like a pseudo cyst kidney thingy, tiny little basically ball of tissue that got absorbed into my body as I grew up and never amounted to anything. It literally just disappeared one time because I used to, or I do go to um, a nephrologist and get ultrasounds on my kidney every other year now. So just to, you know, make sure she's doing all right down there all by herself. And one year, you know, they would always check both sides and go, Oh, there's a little tissue for a little while. And then one year it was gone. And uh, my big brother as a prank told me that I must have pooped it out. And I believed him. (laughs) That's not how your body works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know this now it got (laughs) into my body, (laughs) but yeah, that's big brothers for you. But yeah, so I only have one kidney. I have to be careful about, you know, alcohol intake since that does speed up your kidney a little bit. Mm -hmm. I have to be careful about sodium because that filters through, you know, your kidneys, your filter, right? So anything that could be hard on the kidney, including medications, like I can't take Advil. Uh, I have to take Tylenol because Tylenol goes through your liver, you know, acetaminophen or Advil goes through your kidney. So there are certain medications, you know, over the counter, as well as in the hospital, whenever I have to go to the hospital uh, that I can't have um, and certain things with tests and stuff that I can't have contrast, you know, if you have to have contrast when you're in a, a, a situation where you're having a CT scan or something with contrast, they have to be very careful because that beats up your kidney, that kind of stuff. I just have to be mindful of. Um, and then I drink a lot of water or I'm supposed to drink a lot of water. I am not perfect. 
Um, <laughs> but because that helps flush your kidney, right? Uh, but yeah, so uh, the kidney is a little bit bigger than your average person of my body size female kidney would be it kind of overgrew, not to the point of two kidneys, but um, it's definitely, you know, bigger. So that that's helping and it's very healthy right now, which is great. I just have to be really careful about, you know, bladder infections and all of that. Sorry, my computer keeps doing weird things. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just have to be careful about, you know, bladder infections because those can lead to kidney infections and yeah have to monitor that with a nephrologist. So that's one of my seven specialists. <laughs> wow. And this was just, just your kidneys were affected. You didn't have anything with your bladder? Yes, I did. You did. <laughs> okay. I yes. thought so. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a bladder reimplantation. So that was also when I was a baby. And basically they had to go in and reconstruct uh, my bladder because it didn't develop as it should have. And when I was little growing up, I had incontinence issues. So I wore, you know, diapers, then pull-ups and then adult pads almost through, I think, sophomore year of high school, I was still having issues, sophomore, junior year of high school. And then for whatever reason, and we don't know why, uh, my uh, urologist uh, still cannot really explain it to this day. Apparently it happens every now and then with kids that have um, issues with their bladder. Uh, So it kind of corrected itself. And by that, I mean, when my doctor describes it to me, he describes it like a hose, right? Your P2, it's a hose. (laughs) And it used to be straight and, you know, urine would drip out of it. That was my incontinence issue. So why I had to wear the pads Um, periodically, it would drip. But for whatever reason, somehow that hose has gotten kinked. So that dripping has stopped. And so now I actually have to, in order to go to the bathroom, I have to pressure void. So I have to push on my bladder to kind of straighten out that hose uh, or, you know, um, to go to go to the restroom. But my everyday life is less impacted because I'm not having to wear pads. I'm not, you know, I'm not dealing with that incontinence issue. There's a a different complication that comes with that though, is, you know, if I don't go to the restroom enough, that urine has nowhere to go and I'm more susceptible to bladder infections, UTIs. So I have to just make sure that I'm emptying all the way and very frequently because, you know, I don't really have the nerve endings down there uh, to tell that I really have to go to the bathroom until my bladder is so full that my tummy hurts, you know? So I I have to be very mindful of, you know, anywhere I go, I have to look like, okay, where's the bathroom? I have to go visit that probably before we leave and go to the next place or right when we get there, you know, and I just have to go to the restroom. Uh, But it's kind of a running joke with my friends and and my boyfriend and my family. I I just pee a lot, you know, (laughs) I just, Savannah always has to go pee and that's okay. Uh, It's, you know, better for me, or I, I'd rather that than have to wear the, the pads or the pull-ups as an adult. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I grew up with bladder problems as well. So I'm totally familiar with 
everything that you were just talking about. We used to joke that my I was like an aphid. I I drink the liquid and then it just comes right on out. Like always had to find a bathroom. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so very familiar with that. Yeah. I had the whole pull-ups to light days thing. Yeah. All growing up. Yep. Very yeah. familiar with that. That's awesome that it just kind of corrected itself though. Yeah. I I can't explain it. My doctors haven't really explained it. They just sometimes it happens as you're growing. I, all I remember is I had a really bad UTI and it actually went into my kidneys and I had to have a, a procedure with a scope go up. And, and shortly after that, I was having these different issues where I wasn't able to go to the bathroom unless I pushed on my stomach. So that might just be coincidence. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a doctor and my doctors don't know either. So I just take it for what it's worth and work with it. Yeah. I mean, it's the best thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I always had to pressure void as well. Okay. Yeah. We, there was a while where they were, we were testing out some kind of like steroid injections so that like I could train to not need to pressure void anymore. We did that when I was a kid and it, it helped a little bit. Okay. I don't have to do that anymore, but I mean, yeah. 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 So very familiar with all of that and the UTIs. (laughs) (laughs) I still get those (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, like, as a kid, how it felt to go through all of this? Yes, um, in different ways. I mean, I don't necessarily remember all of the surgeries when I was an infant through, you know, two, three years old, which were when the big ones were most of the big ones. I mean, I just had open heart. That's big. But other than that, most of my big ones were before I really have strong memories of that. I remember life always including doctor's office visits, checkups, different doctors. And that was kind of, that was my normal. So I didn't know any different, which, you know, I was, I was a happy kid, you know, (laughs) I just went to the doctor a lot and I was homeschooled. So it wasn't like a big to do as far as, you know, friends asking, wait, why were, why'd you miss school yesterday? Where were you? You know, there weren't a lot of questions in that way to make me realize that that wasn't what all the other kids were, or most of the other kids were doing. Uh, and I had some amazing pediatricians or pediatric specialists uh, growing up. And I even traveled to go see some that had been following me since I was born in Ohio. And it, it was like, you know, vacation. Like I get to go up to Ohio and I get to see grandma and grandpa. And I also get to see Dr. Leslie and Dr. Stallion. Like <laughs> it was always a positive experience uh, going to see the doctors. Now, I also remember, you know, not so positive experiences as far as having to have lots of tests and 
I hate needles, uh, needle phobia over here, uh, and just going to the ER. And if it's not a doctor that I, I knew, I was scared, you know, white coat syndrome is what they call it. And I definitely had that and still, you know, have that on a, a different level as an adult. Still get anxious. I still um, have anxiety about being in the hospital, and I still don't like needles. Um, but, and then you know, when I got into middle school and high school, and I started realizing more so that yeah, I wasn't wearing the cute little underwear that my friends were wearing, and I couldn't you know wear if I wore bikinis, my scars on my stomach would show and my friends didn't have scars on their stomach and they were asking questions because, I mean, kids are brutally honest (laughs) and very inquisitive, which I love. But also as a kid growing up, all of that kind of started hitting me when people were like, what happened to you? Why do you have that on your stomach? Or, you know, why can't you wear, you know, bikinis without pad or whatnot. So those kind of experiences, definitely, I I mean, I could realize that I was different. And sometimes it was like, oh, yeah, no big deal. This is this is me. This is my normal. But then sometimes it was, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, this is me. You know, so it was kind of a balance. But for the most part, I had a really strong support system at home. And I had some amazing friends that had known me since I was itty bitty and like were my rocks, my bodyguards. If anybody was making fun of me, uh, just my support system was was really strong, which I was very blessed with. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you homeschooled. (laughs) that's cool did your siblings do you have one sibling or two or I have three (laughs) okay were they homeschooled as well or was it just you so myself my older brother and one of my older sisters were all homeschooled Uh, my brother and my sister both have uh, my brother has ADD and my sister has some learning disabilities as well so uh, my mom amazing superwoman uh, decided you know she could tailor our education to our learning needs or our schedule needs like mine having to go to the doctor so much and or to the bathroom so much as a kid you know so she actually decided to homeschool us all um together but that being said she wanted to make sure that we got to do all the social things that you would in school so even though we were home schooled we were almost never at home (laughs) <laughs> we were taking classes outside the house. Like I was at a, on a soccer team. I did swimming. I did ballet, cheerleading, speech and debate. I traveled for speech and debate. So we did a lot out of the house, but we were, we were technically homeschooled. <laughs> That's really cool. Gosh, I can't imagine trying to homeschool three like teenagers and That's so much to handle. Yeah. She's amazing. My mom. Yeah. (laughs) Props to her. (laughs) That's awesome that they were able to do that though for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a lot of hobbies, got to do all the things, which is great. So you didn't really miss out on anything. 
I don't feel as though I did other than having a locker, you know? Oh yeah. I never had a locker either. <laughs> I, I homeschooled all through high school in junior oh. high. Yeah. I started homeschooling. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I never had a locker. I always saw like the cute little locker decorations and like target and be like, I want that, but I have nowhere to put it <laughs> <laughs> in the grand scheme of life. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Were your parents pretty good about like communicating with you in regards to all of your health problems? Like, were they open to you asking questions and like answering them or yeah. Yeah. Were they pretty open? Yes. So my dad is a, a dent or was a dentist. He's retired now, kind of, sort of. Um, he can't sit still and neither can I. So I understand that. Um, so he's doing <laughs> lots of other stuff, but he was a dentist for a long time. And he, uh, so, you know, all that medical terminology, science, medicine, all of that was his thing. Uh, he understood it very well, so he could communicate it to me as a kid very well. Uh, so, you know, went doctor to dad and then to Savannah. <laughs> mom <and> Savannah. <laughs> and then my mom, you know, just going through all of that with me, learned a lot. And I also learned a lot as I grew up, as far as medical terminology goes. But our family is very, we're very sciencey people. My brother's in dental school now. Um, I work with animals and the environmental sciences. Uh, my mom was a dental hygienist. So we're very, like, very open, talk about whatever. I could ask any questions and they explained it as best they could. And if they couldn't explain it, they'd have my doctor, you know, my pediatrician try to explain it in more depth to me. Uh, they were always, you know, they never hid anything from me. My mom was definitely more of like the, yeah, so this is what you're dealing with, but let's figure out a way to uh, overcome that. Or, you know, let's get creative so you can go to the sleepover and we can hide your pull-ups underneath all of your clothes and figure out a way to, you know, get, get those home when you're done. Um, and then my dad was more of, you know, all right, so this is what's wrong with you. This is what could happen if you don't take care of yourself, you know, <laughs> he was a little bit more logical. And then my mom was a little bit more creative about different things as far as my medical condition goes, but they made a really good team in that way. I think communicating stuff to me because it wasn't yeah. over the, my head. It was very much, you know, on my level and my mom, you know, made it simple or not simple, but I don't like to say commonplace, but she, she just made it like, yeah, so this is what we're dealing with. So let's figure out an answer. Let's, let's figure out how you can still go play soccer or still go swim and, and, you know, be safe while doing it. Yeah. That sounds like a great balance. Yeah. Yeah. Of like having someone be able to break down for you what's happening and like, yeah. And then having someone who's just so great at making sure that you don't miss out on like life and just enjoying. That's great. Okay. So what are you still dealing with today? Like things that you handle on a daily basis? I know we kind of touched on that you watch your food so that you eat healthy things for your kidney. Um, are you on any, you said you're on medications for your heart right now. And my kidney and your kidney. Mm -hmm. 
there anything else that you still have to kind of keep an eye on and monitor? Mainly my, you know, my back physical therapy, going to the gym, strengthening my core. I work outside. I work at a nature center. So there's a lot of, you know, physical activity there, as well as some things that are a little bit heavier that I'm lifting. You know, um, I teach archery out at the nature center. So I have big targets that I have to pick up and I just have to make sure that, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, the proper form and not to hurt my spine, which is important for everybody, but um, it's a little bit more hard pressed in my brain to just, you know, make sure I'm lifting, you know, my legs, not my back and that kind of a thing. Uh, so my spine definitely, uh, and, and when I do overdo it, I, I feel it. So I, I deal with that with chronic back pain and then my kidney stuff and my, my heart is, we're pretty good now, but, um, we'll, we'll hopefully that surgery will keep things kosher for a long time. Um, but yeah, I take my medicine and you know, that's, that's the main things that really come up on a daily basis. And just, you know, making sure that if I do feel like I'm going to get a UTI or something that I'm chugging cranberry juice and water or, you know, monitoring that my bladder issues for sure. And going to the bathroom a lot. So that's, but again, these are all things that, you know, I'm trying to think really hard, like (laughs) deal with, it's not really like, you know, dealing with stuff. It's just, that's my normal. That's, that's life is. So it's hard for me to think like, Oh wait. Yeah. Not everybody does that Savannah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, which, you know, I, I think is a good thing in in my mind, you know, that's, it keeps things positive. Oh yeah. No, it's great. I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Listening to your point of view, just because you've been so positive about everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So then I guess the other only like big things you really do then is like the once a year or every other year, like ultrasounds and stuff like that. Yeah. So I do, I have, you know, I have a nephrologist, a urologist, a cardiologist. (laughs) Um, I'm about to go in September to see uh, specialists in congenital reconstruction for gynecology, as well as colorectal uh, specialist. So I'm going to go see them in Cincinnati uh, and have uh, an exam, actually a procedure done up there just to make sure that everything is is still good down there from the surgery that they did uh, when I was little. So basically just like pretty much every year to every other year, I'm seeing specialists for different areas of my body for maintenance. It's like, you know, putting oil in your car, you got to make sure you do it. (laughs) And if you do it every, uh, you know, 5,000 miles, whatever it is, um, I'm worse with my car than my body. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, if you do your maintenance on your car, you you, you keep it running better. It's same thing for, for me right now until I get a little bit older and might have to have, you know, the spinal surgery, or maybe might have to have a little bit extra maintenance done on the surgery that they did when I was a baby on my abdomen, you know, it just, that's just kind of, you know, wait and see. Yeah. The thing, um, and just, you know, work with the, the complications or the challenges as, as they arise. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just like to ask people about this kind of stuff because a lot of my friends like I'll say, oh yeah, I'm going to see my nephrologist today. And they'll be like, oh, is something wrong? Like, no, this is just my maintenance. We're checking my blood work. We're doing an ultrasound, whatever. And and so I like to ask to see what other people are doing for their maintenance just because it's normal for us. It is part of our regular lives that we think about. And I think it, in our heads, at least, it's a little bit more ingrained in us to like take care of ourselves and like actually go to the doctor if we feel like something's wrong. <laughs> Those yeah. types of things, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to switch just because I like to end things on more positive notes than just like, we've got medical stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. So you haven't missed out a whole lot in life. You've had hobbies. You got to pursue a career that you really enjoy. You're in school. Tell us, what what are you up to? When, I mean, I know you mentioned you're in wildlife and environmental education. So what what got you into it? Uh, what yeah. exactly are you doing? So aside from medical stuff, when I was little, that took up a lot of my life. (laughs) My other half, I think that I really focused on when I was little was uh, animals and being outside and hanging out with my big brother. He was definitely like my superhero when I was little, like I was his little sidekick Uh, and we would go outside. We were homeschooled again. We'd go outside and uh, we would catch snakes and lizards in our backyard and bring them inside and scare my mom and (laughs) um, name them, keep them for a day and then let them go the next day. We absolutely loved going out and exploring outside. And my mom, even though snakes weren't her thing for a long time, she likes them now, but when I was young, she did not. She still encouraged our passions. You know, she would take us to the nature park. Instead of doing science one day at home, reading a book, if we were learning about trees, we'd go to a nature park and climb some trees <laughs> uh, and then talk about them. Uh, so that was a really cool incorporation of not only our school, but also what we really loved. And I kept that, you know, animal passion. My brother still loves animals, but I decided I wanted to make a career out of it in some way. So I did ecology as my undergrad. That was very broad and helped me or allowed me to take, you know, classes in reptiles, herpetology and mammalogy and invertebrates, zoology, lots of different animals to figure out what I really wanted to do as well as like marine science. Um, And at this point, I actually lived in Tennessee for a long time. So I thought I wanted to do marine uh, after taking some marine courses a semester abroad in Florida and thought I wanted to do marine and came down here to West Palm Beach uh, for an internship and a master's program uh, or potential master's program. I actually switched from marine to more terrestrial stuff because uh, I figured out, you know, I really like Florida and the environment here, but I kind of like the sandy part of it instead of the wet part. <laughs> so I, I'm now working at a nature center and pursuing my master's in environmental and marine science education, but I'm really more focused on the terrestrial side of things. Um, I work with animals. I work with raptors, like uh, an owl or two owls and a hawk. I work with 
snakes and, and lizards and turtles, a deer and opossum, a gopher tortoise, all kinds of animals. Uh, and I get to teach everybody. We do school programs for kids, but we also have, you know, adults, families, seniors come in the center and I get to do programs for all ages and talk to people about what I love. So it's a little bit of animals and it's a little bit of talking to and meeting new people and all in one job. It's kind of the best of both worlds and in my opinion for what I love to do. So, yeah. Cool, that's awesome. Do you have like a favorite animal that you work with at work? I do. And I'm not supposed, it's like having a favorite child. Like you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I, I do. And uh, his name is Abel. He's our red-shouldered hawk. Um, he only has a picture one. that you sent me. Yes, he is in a picture that I sent you. Um, yeah, so he only has one eye. He was um, bullied by his sibling as a baby and was kicked out of the nest and got an injury through that on his eye. He couldn't see. Uh, so they actually, uh, the person that found him brought him to a rehab center. He still had both eyes, but one was damaged. He couldn't see out of it. And the veterinarian actually decided that since he wasn't using it and it was really irritating him to surgically remove that eye. So because of that, he can't be released into the wild. So I get to work with him. He's an education animal. Uh, we have a huge enclosure on our property that he gets to fly around in because he is flighted um, and get exercised that way. But his vision, his depth perception is not what it should be for him to be able to hunt in the wild. So he's able to do more than they thought he would be, which is where he gets his name. Um, <laughs> and I really connected with him when I started working with the Raptors at my job. He has a lot of anxiety because of only being able to see half as much as he should be able to. And, you know, the blocked vision on his right side causes him a lot of, of anxiety for anything that's, you know, behind him or on the right side of him. He just gets really nervous. And I, you know, have a little bit of anxiety about lots of things, but mainly medical stuff, right? So I really, I connected with him and he took to me like very quickly is what I was told from my boss when I started working with him. And I just felt like blessed and honored that this amazing bird was trusting me. So we connected very quickly. Um, and I, I love him. <laughs> He's just my buddy. <laughs> I could tell from the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, do you have anything else that you want to add at all or? I don't think no. so. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you found it as informative and eye-opening as I did talking with Savannah about her experience growing up with Factoral. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. We just rolled out some new great stickers for patrons. These are also available separately on the website. 
If you would like to share your story or know someone who does, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thanks for listening.